most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. Every Thursday here on this podcast, I will be answering your mailbag questions, which you can submit for future shows to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. On today's episode, I am joined by a special guest, a tortured Jets fan and action social media manager, Casey Halpern, who you can find on Twitter at Casey Halp. Casey, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Samantha. How are you doing? First off, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on today. I'm looking forward to doing this. Thank you for coming on. I mean, I know it's a crazy, crazy time for all of us, but I'm getting super, super stoked for week one. Um, it's it's just so exciting. I obviously joined Action during the off season, so I'm really, really excited for this to be actually my first season doing this full time. So what's something that you are most excited about for the season? As you said so eloquently, I am a tortured Jets fan, so I'm excited about the beginning of a new chapter, a new era. The last few years and really decade or so, it's been nothing but turmoil and toxicity, but I think that's behind us. We seem to have a new structure in place where everyone is now aligned, including Coach Sala and our GM, Joe Douglas, and we have a new quarterback, Zach Wilson. So I'm looking forward to watching them and mostly watching Wilson improve week after week this year. I know they're going to suck probably. Uh, this year, but as long as they continue to get better down the stretch and mature every week and Wilson shows signs of growth and this team comes together, that's really all I could ask for from a fan standpoint. So I'm just excited to be excited about the Jets again until they let me down inevitably. Well, I say torture Jets fan with love. Obviously, I used to work at the New York Post, so I am so I understand the sort of turmoil it is to be a Jets fan, maybe not to your extent, for sure. But I certainly understand it. But yes, it, I mean, it's super exciting. Tony Romo is calling Zach Wilson like the next Patrick Mahomes. So it is going to be an exciting year to be a Jets fan. So look, Tony stuff. Romo is a, a hell of an analyst. He was a hell of a uh, quarterback. But uh, let's just pump the brakes a bit. Let's just let Zach be Zach. Let him be himself. And uh, let him let's see what happens is his rookie season. Awesome. Well, let us just jump right into it. Why don't you hit me with some mailbag questions? And guys, thank you so much for sending these. Let's do it. Question number one. John writes, Jamar Chase, Marvin Jones, or Devontae Parker? Yeah, so of those guys, it's Chase and it's not particularly close. Uh, preseason chatter has been super down on the rookie, which has led to a pretty sharp drop in his ADP. But Honestly, rookie struggles are pretty common. We we heard very similar things from camp about Justin Jefferson last year. He's probably shaking off some dust from the year he took off from COVID. I mean, I think this is pretty expected. It may take him a couple games to begin to crest his full potential with Burrow. But I think his upside remains much higher than Jones or Parker's. I'd much rather have him, who's like 
maybe the second or third man on the, the Bengals depth chart right now over Jones, who is the third man on the Jaguars depth chart or Parker, who may have a slightly better situation in terms of competition, but it's in a Tua Tagovailoa led Dolphins offense, who I just don't think can be relied on for consistent production. Parker's reliable fantasy years came with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. So I think that's, that's over. I'm going with Chase. What about you? How do you feel about that? I'd have to agree with you there, especially in a season long format. Just like, I feel like we're overlooking the fact that Jamar Chase was literally Joe Burrow's number one target when in his year at LSU in his last year in 2019. The struggles he's having in camp right now are probably attributed to taking time off, and he even commented on that recently. So I'm not we I'm not uh, skeptical on his long term outlook this year. I think him and Burrow's connection is very strong, and I think that really matters in the NFL. Like there is that locker room chemistry between them and. As the great Adam Levitan coined it, the shower narrative, right? Like these guys <laughs> were around each other so much. Like the connection is strong between them. There's going to be some obviously growing pains of Chase, but ultimately he is definitely the best long-term play here. Yeah, I'm super excited to see them play together. Obviously, it was amazing to see them play at LSU. So yeah, I think it's a little bit it's gone too far in one direction. I think the concern, I think it was always like it, it began that he was a little too inflated, I think for my taste. And now it's kind of flipped. So I am starting him over the other two for sure. hundred percent. And people forget like he literally as a sophomore, 19 year old at LSU, he had 1700 yards and 20 mm-hmm. touchdowns. Literally unbelievable production. So. All right. Let us move on to the next question. Number two, Aaron writes in a half PPR league, a quick starter sit question for my flex spot, Joe Mixon or Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Mixon by a landslide. And this is not just the Joe Mixon truther in me speaking. I know that it's like become part of my social media brand, but Mixon gets such a bad rap about his injuries. But honestly, he's played more games than Dalvin Cook, who's being drafted as a consensus top three pick. Now, yes, he has not produced to, to Dalvin Cook's level, but, you know, I think that this is his year. I I know I make excuses for him every single season, but this is his year. There's no Gio Bernard. Hopefully we will get a healthy Joe Burrow. Um, I really like him over Ayuk. Um, There are also concerns that Ayuk may not be 100% for week one. It's a good matchup against the Lions, but Mason's matchup is arguably arguably even better. I think that Jeff Okuda will be all over Ayuk and Mixon is going against a Minnesota defense that allowed the six most rushing yards per game last year. So give me Mixon over Ayuk all the time. Everything you said, I agree with. I mean, Mixon is just has the higher floor in the scenario, mm-hmm. right? He's going to get way more touches than Ayuk, especially in week one, I would say early on. And look, if Mixon could stay healthy, he's going to be a top five, top 10 running back this year. Just like yourself, I was the, I had, I rostered Mixon last year. It was disappointing. Uh, That foot injury that just kept on lingering, but he would still be spotted at practice. I was checking in on those updates, like literally stalking Ben Baby's feed all day to see what was going on with him. He did disappoint me. That feeling where you were literally stalking the beat writers, just trying to figure out what is happening. (laughs) Like no one knew what was really going on with his foot. It was a day-to-day thing. And then it became week to week. And then they were just like, oh, he's not going to play the rest of the year. But in terms of this week, I just think you have to roll with Mixon, right? He's their bell cow running back. He's going to get way more touches. And he just has that higher floor to start off. Yeah, we're talking about someone that I think will be a RB1 this week. Like I think he'll finish top 12 versus 
Ayuk, who is like a fringe wide receiver too. So yeah, it's just a, a like a way safer play in my opinion. All right, let's Definitely. move on. Let's move on to the third question. Question number three. This is a good one. <laughs> Philip writes, I drafted both Philly receivers after drinking way too much on drafting. It's a half PPR league. Who do I go with? Devontae Smith or Jalen Rager? Yeah, so friends don't let friends drink and draft or draft both Eagles receivers. But, you know, given that you are in this suboptimal pickle, Philip, and presumably you have to start or keep one. I don't I don't it wasn't really super clear. I would keep Smith, you know, despite concerns about his stature and durability. He was just ridiculously productive last season. Rager is nothing more than a dart throw at this point. I I mean, he didn't produce during his first season. It was probably the biggest bust of that wide receiver class, which was incredible super super deep um so yeah i mean it's it's not even a question at this point i think smith may take a little bit of time to kind of warm up and yeah i don't really love either of them or both of them um you know first season long this year just because i need to see jalen hurts develop as a passer but given you're in this situation where you have to decide on one i'm going with smith yeah i have to agree with you here i know it sounds like a broken record me and you are disagreeing with each other but Look, Devontae Smith, I think, is a stud. He won the Heisman Trophy last year. We all know what he did at Alabama. But I want to tie something back. He's played with Jalen Hurts before. As Mm -hmm. we said before in regards to Chase and Burrow, that locker room narrative applies to Devontae Smith as well. He has practiced with Hurts. He's played in real games with Hurts before. And now they're playing with each other in the pros. And I know Howie Roseman has absolutely whiffed on his wide receiver choices the past few years, including taking J.J. Ortega Whiteside (laughs) over D.K. Metcalf. That's literally like a meme. Like (laughs) it's terrible. And then doubling up in the next year and taking Rager one pick before Justin Jefferson. I think the third time is the charm. And I think he hit it the nail on the head this time with Devontae Smith. That man is just so smooth. I think he's going to crush it in Philly. Yeah, even a broken clock is right twice kind of thing. <laughs> like, like I think that at this point, of all the guys, you know, that he's whiffed on, Smith, I just don't see it happening. I am super high on him. I was like kind of almost, I was angry at first that people were so down on him with the BMI crap. But, um, you know, I was a little happy just because I was getting him at quite a discount in, <laughs> earlier in the offseason. I think he's going to be a stud. And I think, yeah, as you said, people are just, low on him due to the fact that he probably weighed less than I did when I was seven years old, soaking wet. But look, he's going to bulk up. He'll get stronger as the season goes on, hopefully. And it's not like it's his first day playing like big league football. He played in the SEC and he was incredibly durable. So I have no reason to believe that that won't continue in the future. Awesome. All right. Let us move on to the next question. Question number four. Ian writes, is there a player either returning from injury like Saquon Barkley or a player who is holding out like TJ Watt that's worth starting on my week one fantasy squad? So I guess this is for an IDP league as well. I think he just meant I interpreted that to mean like just someone who is holding out. It didn't have to be a I don't I don't know that many people on the offensive side that are holding out like big name players. So I'm going to focus on the injury side of that. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, the leagues that I have, Barkley, I'm starting him. Like, I don't know who else you would start over him, like, unless you are super stacked. Like, I don't see a situation where I am sitting him. I get the concerns. He's going to see probably a limited workload or something just a little bit less. But 
he has crazy, crazy upside and the injury stuff is really tough to predict for sure. But, you know, there are a number of guys that I would feel comfortable starting in week one coming off major injuries. That includes Christian McCaffrey, which duh, because he is the 101 of all fantasy drafts. But George Kittle and Dak Prescott, I also feel pretty comfortable starting this week. Um, injuries are tough, man. But like guys like Barkley, who you presumably spent like a late first or early second round pick on, I don't see you sitting him in week one. Like, I don't know what other options you have unless you had like, I don't know, maybe like Jonathan Taylor and I don't know, CEH or something like that. Like I could see where you could have all three if you went super robust. And in that case, maybe I would consider like starting CEH over Barkley just to see how he, just to see how the workload goes, see how that offensive line behaves. Um, That's obviously a huge pain point, but um, yeah, I think you'll feel foolish just sitting him. And then if he, you know, ends up getting a two touchdown game. Yeah. I mean, I just have three words to add to this. Literally, start your studs. Yeah. You don't sit them, right? Like, just start them, play them. He's going to give you the, the highest floor. So just start your studs. Don't overthink it. Hopefully the injury's behind them, and hopefully he has a great year. Yeah, it's not like he had any major setbacks either. Like, I think people were really worried about him not practicing kind of early on and being on the pop, but that was all to be expected. So honestly, like, I'm going moderate steam ahead with him and yeah start your studs you're you're just gonna feel shitty if you don't start him he's had almost it's almost been a year since he got hurt and i think they've just been easing him along the way during training camp mini camp all that stuff and i think he's ready he's ready for the workload and as we've said start your studs don't overthink it put him in there let's roll with the injuries, obviously it's really tough, but if they are playing in week one and they are on your starting roster, like you should be starting them. Like, obviously don't just start anyone, but if you're like in a two quarterback league and you have Joe Burrow as your second quarterback, like I also feel comfortable starting him. If the team feels comfortable putting out, putting them out there is what I'm trying to say is that I think that they will be fine. All right. Let us move on to question five. Question five, Brad writes, who is the best week one tight end streamer? I have no offense, but I'm getting concerned about this mysterious injury. Yeah, this is really a tough one because the Broncos have been super tight lipped. Um, Fan is expected to play, I believe. And, you know, it's concerning, but none of the waiver wire guys are going to be worth starting over fan in my opinion like unless someone like logan thomas is sitting on your waiver wire for some reason which like i just can't imagine that being a scenario like i don't know who like maybe johnu smith like i might start johnu smith over noah fan who i guess in some leagues like some really shallow leagues where everyone just drafts one tight end um i could see that situation but you know of the waiver wire tight ends under 50 percent rostered right now i would take a look at zach ertz who is 33% rostered. Um, Atlanta secondary is atrocious and allowed the most passing yards per game in the NFL in 2020. Um, so like, if you're really looking for someone else, if you, if you fan ends up just not playing and, you know, is a, is a late scratch or something like that. Um, I would look at Ertz. So I have one name that's just way, way, way down the line for a possible streamer at tight end this week. I would have to go with Donald Parham, the mm. 6'8", 260-pound behemoth on the Chargers. He was an XFL stud. I really think he has a lot of potential in the NFL. And new Chargers OC Joe Lombardi has been talking him up all week and pretty recently just about 
how much he's impressed them. So if you're really looking for a dart, I would go with Donald Parham of the Chargers, right? Gerard Davis, rookie linebacker from Kentucky, is probably going to be the one tasked with covering him on Sunday again in Washington. So maybe he gives the rookie some fits, and maybe this is Donald Parham's uh, coming out party in week one. And he's only 1% rostered. So he's out there. Definitely out there. I think he would be a good name to either stash or keep an eye on. I'm pretty concerned about the Chargers week one matchup. Um, But yeah, I think he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. All right. Um, Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a new segment we call Elite Entries, where we are going to dive into the Prize Picks app to build some entries. And for any listeners unfamiliar with Prize Picks, it's just a super simple way to play DFS. PrizePix offers a bunch of fantasy and prop markets, both for daily and season long. Standard stuff like Zeke Elliott rushing yards this season or Josh Allen's week one fantasy score. You choose the picks you like and you build your entry. You can go with two, three, four, or even five picks. And your payout is based on how big your lineup is and how much you risk. For example, let's say you choose two props. You go under on Zeke rushing yards and over on Allen's fantasy points. And let's say you choose $25 for your entry fee. If they both hit, you win three times your entry fee, $75, boom, just like that. And if you build your entry with four props, you can win as much as 10 times your entry fee. So like I said, really simple. I'll identify some markets I like. You build your own prize picks entries and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today we are going to look at Thursday night plays for week one on prize picks. I am just so excited. It's almost Thursday. It's football Eve. So let's kick it off. The first play that I really like is Dak Prescott under 285 and a half passing yards. So I'm, I just mentioned this. I have no issue starting Prescott off the injury as your QB one. Cause I just don't know like what better options you would have on your roster, but I would temper expectations in his return from a gruesome injury against the bucks who uh, recorded the six most sacks per game last year. Vegas has the total at 52 points and the line is minus eight in favor of Tampa, which puts the Cowboys implied points at 22, which is not that much considering how many weapons Dallas has. And the first game of the year tends to go under. So I think I like his passing yards to go under. What's yeah, you, I, I completely get where you're coming from and your reasoning is very sound for why you'd go on there here, right? Like it is his first game back from a horrible injury he suffered last year. And he had a bit of a shoulder strain in training camp. and was extremely limited. That being said though, Dak Prescott is my QB one in fantasy this year. He is my starter. So I'm going to have to fade you here. I'm going opposite. I'm hoping going over. Hopefully maybe they get Tampa caught in a shootout or maybe Dallas is down all game and they just have to throw, throw, throw to get back in it. I'm optimistic that Mike Mike McCarthy and this offense won't really be uh, running the ball too much as like he has in years past. I mean, if you look at last year, Dak threw for over – 450 yards in three of the four full games he played. So hopefully he can replicate that in week one. He'll make fantasy fantasy manager Casey very happy and maybe some Dallas Cowboys better is pretty happy. Yeah, I have this narrative a bit different just because I, I mean, like the Bucks, they 
kept all 22 starters. I just feel like they are going to be such a force to be reckoned with this season. And it's, it's just going to be a tough game for, for Dak to come back to with that, with that D line. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely see how this shakes out. The next one that I like is OJ Howard over 18 and a half receiving yards. So Howard is definitely an afterthought after suffering a season ending Achilles tear in week four last year. But what we did see of him and his connection with Brady was encouraging. He's a former first round pick. He outproduced Gronkowski while he was healthy and with Gronk on the wrong side of 30 I feel like there's a clear path to Howard stepping up into a larger role if he can stay on the field 18 and a half receiving yards feels like nothing against the middle of the road Dallas defense what do you think I agree with you here um the commentary around OJ Howard this preseason and in training camp has been great Brady said he's prepared to have a great season and look all you need is 19 yards here. That could easily come on a seam One route. Catch. Yeah. Literally just a 20 yard seam route. Boom. Easy winner right there. Let's roll with the over on Howard, 18 and a half receiving yards. All right. Copacetic on that one. Um, and next one that I like is Mike Evans over 0.5 receiving touchdowns. So in spite of last year's optimism for his counterpart, Chris Godwin, Evans actually finished far and away the Bucks' top receiver. He was wide receiver nine, while Godwin was wide receiver 38 and half PPR. Last season, Evans caught nearly 200 more yards and six more touchdowns than Godwin, who struggled with injuries that sidelined him from four games. Godwin is now back on the injury report heading into week one with a mysterious quad issue. I think that's enough to warrant concern, which is all spells good news for Evans, who has clear red zone chemistry with Brady that was just very apparent last season. Touchdowns are obviously harder to predict than normal production type stats, but I think he's the surest bet on this team. Uh, let's take the over on Evans to have one touchdown this week. And who knows if Godwin's even playing, right? Like right now he's, it's kind of up in the air, his status. And if Godwin's downgraded to doubtful or out, then Mike Evans will likely see more targets and he's always going to be the go-to guy in the red zone, him and Gronk. So he'll definitely get his share of opportunities. The last one that I like is Ezekiel Elliott under 16.2 fantasy points. Keep in mind, this is full PPR. Um, Tampa's run defense was super fearsome last season. They just allowed 80.6 rushing yards per game. They have one of the top front sevens in the league that I think will probably box up Elliott, who scored more than 16 fantasy points in full PPR twice since week six last season, once against the Eagles and again against the Vikings, who ranked 22nd and 26th in rushing yards allowed last year, respectively. So, I mean, they didn't play each other last year, but Washington, who had a comparable run defense to the Bucks last year, held Elliott to 6.1 and 2.9 fantasy points in Dallas's two matchups against them, which is not great. Um, the Cowboys will also be without star guard Zach Martin, who tested positive for COVID-19. I think this is a pretty significant blow for the team's offensive line. This is going to hurt Elliott, so I am going under on his fantasy points. I love him season long, but I just think this is a brutal week one matchup. Oh, I, I hate that we're in alignment on so many of these. I'm three of the four. I'm completely great minds, with you. Casey, great minds. Right? This is true. <laughs> Decent minds think alike, we'll say, right? Uh, yeah, let's yeah. just say mediocre minds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, to all the points you laid out, right? Like Zeke hasn't had over 16 fantasy points since week 10 of last season against a horrible, horrible Vikings defense. We all know how good the Buccaneers defense is. We all know how good that defensive front is and that front seven. 
look, they're loaded up front and the loss of Zach Martin is massive, especially for a Zeke rushing standpoint, right? Like Martin is an all pro offensive guard. He's arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. And I just think Zeke is going to have a hard, hard time fighting for yards against this Buccaneers front. Yeah, that and the stuff that you mentioned about Mike McCarthy um, and, you know, his historic use of the run game, not spelling super well for Zeke. So, all right, that is our elite elite entry for Thursday Night Football, going with Dak Prescott under 285 and a half passing yards, OJ Howard over 18 and a half receiving yards, Mike Evans over 0.5 receiving touchdowns, and Ezekiel Elliott under 16.2 fantasy points. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks markets move, so you'll want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers. If you haven't created a prize picks account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because prize picks has a special offer for fantasy flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prize prizepicks.com and use promo action 10. All right, let's keep it moving here on our mailbag episode. All right. Question number six, Thomas writes at the moment, I don't have a defense roster to pick up a defense. I would have to drop one of the more brothers, either Elijah or Rondell. Don't drop Elijah Moore. I'm telling you, <laughs> or Tyson Williams, the running back on the Ravens. Would you go ahead and skip a defense in week one? Yeah. So let me first say that drafting a defense or kicker is a sucker move. So I'm super happy you totally understood that assignment. That said, unless you're projected to absolutely annihilate your week one opponent, it seems way too risky to not play a defense. And honestly, I don't trust projections. So like, I don't really even know that that would be a good argument. Why risk a win right now for a potential, potentially viable RB three or wide receiver three? Like these are guys that you're probably not like, even in the best case scenarios, probably not starting. Um, you're maybe like considering them for flex plays or considering them on bye weeks. But like, I just don't see why you would put your week one matchup in jeopardy. Um, for what it's worth, of those three though, I'd personally drop Rondell Moore alive has less competition, albeit in a more anemic offense. But um, and Williams could emerge as a serviceable running back without J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill. Um, just don't forget, though, Baltimore's top rusher is Lamar Jackson. And I just I don't know that any of those guys are worth keeping instead of playing a defense in week one. What about you? What do you think of this? Yeah, you definitely need a defense in week one, right? You don't want to take any unnecessary risk coming out of the gate and just thinking you're going to steamroll your opponent unless he's maybe just trotting out a bunch of bench players and is just playing in a league for fun. Pick up a defense. Don't get too cute. Um, if I had to drop one of those three, I would probably lean Tyson Williams, but this is all dependent on how big your league is, right? Like you have to know the players in your league is someone sharp enough to maybe scoop him up immediately because he's kind of a, this question mark. I have Tyson Williams actually rostered in one league right now, but who knows how many carries he's going to get. And as you noted before, Lamar Jackson is their top rusher. We know how much they love Gus bus Edwards. So I can't forecast his role. But I'm very bullish on Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore. And I think those guys have real pop potential. And I just think their ceilings are way higher where I would be a little scared to drop either of them. 
Yeah, I totally get that. I think Rondell Moore has a little bit more time. Like he, he probably isn't going to come out of the gate swinging type guy just because he is probably the fourth man on that depth chart. Now that said, the Cardinals play the most for wide receiver sets in the NFL. So, I mean, I could definitely see him carving out a role. Um, that's why I was just saying like, of those three, if you have to drop one. And I think that that's a really good point too, in terms of like knowing your league, because there is a good chance that like, I feel like I always waffle with these decisions, like before a game starts, all right, I got to pick up a defense. Who do I drop? There's a really good chance that like, the one, the guys that you think are going to perform really well, like you think are, you know, down the line stashes, maybe no one else thinks that right now. So there's a good chance you'll be able to pick uh, someone up later. It's so, so important to just study your league and know your opponents and just kind of learn their tendencies because that really just gives you an advantageous edge. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let us move on to the next question. Question number seven. Jeremy writes, who do you think the top waiver wire pickups will be after week one? Players that I could stash now if I have an empty roster spot. Yeah, I love this galaxy brain stuff, like start like the early waiver wire thoughts where you do it, you know, before the Thursday night game and just try to keep or before the games and try to get someone that you think will be like the guy. Um, Tyson Williams definitely is up there. He's 35% rostered. Like he's a guy that I feel like, you know, if you're in the football space and like very in it, kind of like alluding to what you said, like he's a guy that we all know, but in a lot of people's leagues, He's not a guy that's going to be on people's radar. And if he goes off in week one, I feel like he will be the top waiver claim. Um, so, yeah, he's playing the Raiders. So that also means there's a good chance he could go off. The Raiders defense is terrible. Um, he's got K- uh, Kansas City in week two. Amon Ross St. Brown is a guy that I've been pumping up all offseason. Um, he is 7% rostered playing San Francisco in week one. He is at Green Bay in week two. He's a guy that, you know, has just so little competition on that depth chart. He's not necessarily like even close to the top five receivers that came out of that class, but it's all about opportunity. And yeah, we kind of like crap on this Detroit team and it's, it, it is bad. I mean, it's a Jared Goff led Detroit offense. Um, but that said, if I think he has a very clear path to be a wide receiver, like their top wide receiver. And um, yeah, I think, it, you know, if he catches a touchdown in week one, he could definitely be a spicy waiver claim. Um, Zach Ertz, we already talked about at 34% rostered. He's going up against Atlanta in week one, um, which, you know, like I said, is a awesome matchup. He wants to play out his career in Philadelphia. I mean, it was all up in the air. Obviously, this offseason, we thought that maybe he was to be traded to like the Bills or something. But obviously, that didn't happen. And I think he's going to have a role like we were drafting him like a top three tight end last year. And yeah, we com- we totally wrote him off this year. He was like his ADP was, I think, like tight end 30 in a lot of places because we just didn't know. Um, and Dallas Goddard was going as high as tight end six. Um, I just think both are going to have a role. And yeah, I mean, it's also in an offense led by Jalen Hurts. But, you know, I think he's going to have a role. Um, and then OJ Howard, we kind of talked about at 3% rostered. He's going up against Dallas. I think it's a great matchup. And then he is at home versus Atlanta in week two. We just talked about Atlanta's defense. So I think all four of those guys, if you have roster space and if they're available in your leagues, they could be a sneaky ad right now. Yeah, I think Tyson Williams is really just the intriguing name here. As we just said, like he's this question mark, like, right? We know about him in the fantasy community. 
he's been getting talked up a ton by Harbaugh and company. It's just we don't know exactly what his role will be. So I think seeing how that plays out on Monday Night Football in Vegas is going to be very interesting. And if he is in line for double-digit touches, I think he will become the number one waiver claim uh, after week one. And just like they have no one else on that roster currently. It's just Gus Edwards, Tyson Williams. I know they just signed Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad, but but that's a Jets squad. Don't right, even exactly. like, don't even overreact to that. I think people were it, automatically like writing off Gus, and I was like, that almost has like that has very little impact on Gus. And Le'Veon Bell has literally been cooked for close to five years now. Yeah. Like he his last great year came in 2017. And then he skipped the year, and then he signed with the Jets, and was uh, under the shackles <laughs> of Adam Gase. And I mean, look, like. It wasn't a favorable scheme. It did him no favors, but he also didn't look good in his time on the field, right? Like he didn't produce. And then when he went to Kansas City last year with offensive mastermind Andy Reid, like he didn't produce there either. So yeah, something has to give. I, I don't think he has the juice anymore. Unfortunately, I think his best days are behind them. And he's someone I absolutely used to love, still love him. Uh, it's just, I think his best days are ultimately behind them. And I think there is a real opportunity for Tyson Williams to uh, take a large part of touches away from Gus Edwards. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that shakes up on Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. I would, again, state that Le'Veon Bell getting signed to the practice squad, like don't read too, too much into that. The only reason you're freaking out, not you collectively, everyone is freaking out about it is because like they know Bell's name. Like he was the top fantasy pick a few years ago. So it's really easy to have that brand recognition and think like, oh, he's going to steal touches away. But I don't see that happening. And also like the, the Ravens wide receiver core is also super, super banged up. So like they're, are a lot. I think there's just going to be a lot of rushing opportunities. So Tyson Williams could definitely be a top waiver claim next week. Definitely. All right. Let's go on to question number eight. So Twitter handle at catfish M4 writes, we playing Justin Herbert this week in a rough matchup. What are your thoughts on Allen Robinson as well? Yeah. Both of those guys don't have good matchups this week, but unless you have better options and like like I said, like, I don't know that you have better options if you have Herbert. Um, I just don't know how you're sitting him in that same range, though. Like, if you if you ended up rostering, like, two kind of middle to bottom tier QB1s, like, I would play, like, Tom Brady. I would play Jalen Hurts. I would play Ryan Tannehill over him. And I would even consider playing Matt Stafford over him. So that's kind of the range. Like, I'm putting her – I like Herbert season long. I think he may regress from the crazy season he had in his rookie year just with, like, a number of things working against him, that team really improving their defense, their coach with a very defensive mind. But, you know, this week is just going to be absolutely brutal. So – um, I, like I said, unless you have better options, um, you know, I assume you're playing him without knowing this person's other receivers. I'm going to say, yes, start Robinson. It is extremely less than ideal. He's going to be against, um, Jalen Ramsey and that Rams secondary, which allowed the fewest passing yards in the NFL last year. But in a more majority of scenarios, I don't think you have a better option on your roster. Like I still see him finishing as a top 24 receiver. So unless you ended up rostering, you know, like three or four top 24 receivers, which in most cases people didn't do that. Um, you know, unless it's that like you're probably playing Robinson. Yeah. I mean, 
this just, again, for Allen Robinson, this goes back to what we talked about with Barkley, right? Start your studs. Don't sit them. I highly doubt you have a better option than Allen Robinson sitting there on your bench. As far as Herbert goes, it is a very tough matchup for him, especially with a rookie head coach going on the road to Washington. They have an amazing defense, an incredible front seven. So I'd be a little weary of starting him, but it all depends on who's on the bench, right? Like if you had a serviceable quarterback to play over him, like someone like Ryan Tannehill, as you said, Tannehill has a much favorable matchup against a weak, weak Cardinal secondary. So it all depends on your depth behind Herbert. So I have to leave that question up to you to figure out. But if you have someone better on the bench that with a better matchup, I would start him over Herbert, but I would hundred percent start Robinson. Just start your studs. Don't overthink it. Put him in there and let's see what he could do against Jalen Ramsey and that Ram secondary. Yeah, it's it, I mean, it's it's tough with uh, the Herbert situation. Like I said, I would play, you know, Brady Hurts, Tannehill and maybe Stafford over him. But like where you're getting into like the dicey part, like who are you picking up on the waivers or like who do you have as your second quarterback that you feel super, super confident about? Like if you have Joe Burrow, like I don't think I'm starting Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert. I don't think I'm starting like, for instance, like. Kirk Cousins, like, would probably be in that range. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I'm probably not starting him over, you know, Justin Herbert. So, like, these guys who might be available on your waivers or, like, might be a bench play, like, I just, I still am not starting them over Herbert. I agree. Um, All those names you mentioned, Hurts, Brady, Stafford, Tannehill, I would start them over Herbert. I have one more question for you to piggyback on this, though. Baker Mayfield or Justin Herbert, who would you start this week? Justin Herbert. Interesting. Yeah. I think I'm aligned with you there. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let us move on to the next question. Question number nine. John writes, I finally did it. In one of my half PPR leagues with one running back slot and an extra flex position, I went zero RB and ended up with Chase Edmonds and Daryl Henderson. My question is, do I start Chase Edmonds or Daryl Henderson? Yeah. um, Very brave of you to go zero RB, but I would obviously... So if I were to ever do it, it would be in a league where I have to start one running back. So kudos to you. Um, I think those are pretty decent zero RB running backs to end up with. Um, of those two to start in that one slot, I'm going to go Henderson, but it's pretty close. Like Henderson just doesn't have a lot of legitimate competition out of the Rams backfield. Like they, they signed Sony, but like, I'm not super concerned about him. I think that Henderson's real issue is going to be like long-term durability, but I think that he's going to be the top guy. He's going to be the three down back. Um, Whereas Edmonds, I mean, they really like muddied up that situation signing James Conner. And I think we really wrote off Conner with, you know, his last season with the Steelers. It just, Obviously, nothing was clicking in the run game for the Steelers last season, but I think he definitely has miles left in the tank. And I could see Chase Edmonds and James Conner ending up in a 50-50 timeshare um, or some kind of timeshare. Um, you know, so he's got a lot more competition. So I am going Henderson. What about you? I agree here. Yeah, I think you have to go Daryl Henderson here, especially in week one. Um, we are unclear on what that, timeshare is going to look like in Arizona between Connor and Chase Edmonds and all signs point to Daryl Henderson being the Rams clear cut RB one. I know they brought in Sony Michelle for fourth, who they brought in for a fourth round pick, but I just think Henderson gives them a lot more versatility and 
also Henderson had a very like solid 2020 and he wasn't even RB one, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he rushed for 620 yards and five touchdowns. And in his, in the, in the Rams game against Chicago, actually last year, Henderson had 17 touches alone. He had 63 rushing yards and 13 receiving yards. So I think the volume is going to be there for Henderson in week one against his Bears defense. And I think there's an opportunity for him to really take control of RB1 and just leave Sony Michelle in the dust. And the cool thing about Henderson is he's playing on Sunday night football. So maybe you have to play from behind a little Sunday and then maybe he could be your week one winner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, Sean McVay clearly likes him. It was a very frustrating three-man backfield last last year. And, it, you know, they had too many running backs last year. And now they have no running backs this year. Not no running backs, but certainly not the depth that, you know, you be you feel comfortable with. Um, Malcolm Brown's on the Dolphins and Cam Akers is out for the season, unfortunately. So I'm really excited to see how this offense also functions without Jared Goff, like if they're going to be pounding the rock as much or if they're going to be leaning way more on passing. Um, but certainly all those things considered, still going Henderson. All right, let's do one more question. One more. This is a special question. <laughs> question number 10. Alex writes, who are you starting this week at your flex? Kareem Hunt or Trey Sermon in a half PPR league? This is pretty close. I would say the matchup for Sermon is better against a really bad Lions defense, but I am going to go hunt in any format with points per reception, even half PPR. I just think he's a much safer play. Like we've seen how Hunt's role is going to be in this offense. Like he he just has an established role with Nick Chubb and he's not going away much to the, the dismay of, um, you know, Chubb managers. But um, yeah, with on the other side, with Mostert healthy and Kyle Shanahan being Kyle Shanahan. Like, I just don't know that you can really rely on Trey Sermon, especially in his uh, rookie debut. What about, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I just think Kyle Shanahan is just incredibly unpredictable, right? Like no one has any idea what he's kind of going to do. Like he's had a very interesting offseason, to say the least dating back to pre-draft when there were rumors that he's definitely taking Mac Jones. And then he stated that, he doesn't even know if he's going to be alive on Sunday. That was the like, best fake out yeah. ever. Like, I mean, did you, I don't know where you fell on that. Like, did I'm, you know? I'm proud to say that I bet on Trey Lance to be the number three pick as soon as 49ers made that trade uh, in wow. late March. So I cleaned up pretty nicely on <laughs> Trey Lance being drafted number three. I just felt in my heart of hearts, if you've really read the tea leaves on what Shanahan was saying about how he would love, like kind of to have that dual threat quarterback. And he said this all at 2020. And I think it's just like, it was one of those things where I trusted my gut and I kept adding to my position and just betting Lance to go three. I kept doing uh, like exactos of Lawrence one, Wilson two, Lance three, and just kept adding and adding to my position that entire month leading up to the draft. So I had a lot of exposure, actually, on Lance to go three, and thankfully it worked out because if it didn't, I probably would have had to get a second job. But um, I'm very happy Kyle Shanahan came through with me, him and John Lynch. They made the right decision, I think, and they drafted Lance. But, yeah, who knows what he's going to do? Like, we don't know how many touches Trey Sermon's going to get in week one. Raheem Mostert is still there. Raheem Mostert is still amazing at football. We know Shani likes to run the ball, but I think it's going to be a little questionable how many touches Trey Sermon gets right out of the gates, although I am bullish on his long-term season-long outlook. 
Absolutely. I'm very bullish on his season long and obviously dynasty outlook. Raheem Mostert is injury prone. He has a, a you know, laundry list of issues, but yeah, I mean, Shanahan literally found some guy, Jim Michael hasty to like, put up two good games. And then of course, like the week that I'm like, everyone start Jamichael Hasty. Like, of course, Shanahan gives him seven touches for like five yards. So um, last year when, when he brought in Jeff Wilson and he rushed for 180 yards against the Cardinals. Yeah. It's so frustrating. He literally all like before the game, this game, he literally said like he called, Jarek McKinnon, he said he had tired legs or something like that. Gave Jarek McKinnon 25 touches in the game. Like, absolutely the king of misdirection. Kyle Shanahan must be an incredible poker player because no one has any idea what the fuck he's going to do. Absolutely. He is. I mean, yeah, the the whole number three pick was crazy. And I refused to believe that Mac Jones was the guy. I was like, Kyle Shanahan's too smart for this. Like, no way. Anyway... That will do it for our first mailbag episode with Action Network's special guest, Casey Halpern. Casey, I can't thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Casey Halp, C-A-S-E-Y-H-A-L-P. And go ahead and smash that follow button on Action Network HQ Twitter, Action Network HQ. That's all it is. Smash that follow button. My team and I, we're going to be providing valuable insight and great content all season long. And we're looking forward to you following along our journey. And valuable for this football season to get underway. Valuable insight and also in like hilarious formats. Like I think you were the king of this. So, and I just absolute meme king. So thank you so much again. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info that you need to dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back next Tuesday with another round of 21 questions and then next Thursday with another mailbag episode. So don't forget, please send any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.